Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. In our previous teaching, as I spoke about sanctification unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood. Sanctification is God's idea. It talks about how uh, we are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. He chose us according to the foreknowledge of God and through the sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Then that's the salutation. So Peter starts his message to this elected aliens, chosen pilgrims, the chosen migrants who are scattered all throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. He sent them the suffering believers for all of us as well. Suffering believers, believers who are being brought under intense persecution, people who are living the overcoming life for Jesus. He sent a letter and he said, an apostle of Jesus Christ to you who have been chosen by the foreknowledge of God. Yes, you have been chosen. You have been chosen for such a time as this. We have been chosen. When it comes to the choosing of God, God chooses a, a, a people, a nation. There's no nation God has chosen by Israel in the, in the Bible times. There are other nations mentioned, but you only see how he has chosen Israel. But not only choosing of Israel, he has also chosen the church. So here he says that to the saints or to the, the uh, elect of God, chosen. We are elected in the same way. Sometimes the Bible uses it interchangeably or depending on what translation you are using. Sometimes they use the word elected or el- according to the election or elect of God or the chosen of God. Other places they say even called of God. But the church is the chosen of God. You are a chosen generation. The church is a chosen generation. And in Exodus chapter 95, told Israel, you are a chosen people, a peculiar people unto God. And so we have the Israel, the chosen nation Israel, and the chosen people from all nations. That's very important to understand. You have chosen us from all nations. I think in Revelation chapter, chapter 5, you have chosen us from all nations, from all tribes, from all, verse 9 and 10, Revelations 5, 9 and 10. You have chosen us from all tribes, from all nations, from all tongues, from all peoples. Hallelujah. He's chosen us from all over. So we are, the church is a chosen people and not just the church being a chosen people. There are times that people, individuals are chosen, are appointed for a specific function. All right. So they are appointed, for instance, Peter was appointed and chosen to send the gospel to the Jews. And Paul was chosen to send the gospel. He said, uh, I think, and he told Ananias, that go, for I have chosen him for this purpose. So Paul was chosen. In fact, I think in Acts chapter 26, verse 8, 17 and 18, he speaks of how God has appointed him, chosen him to go and open the eyes of the Gentiles, turn them from the power of Satan unto God. Yeah. And for them to receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among the saints. Hallelujah. So I've chosen him. God told Ananias, go, for I've chosen him for this purpose. Acts chapter 9 from verse 14 somewhere, the 13, 14. I've chosen him. So people are chosen for a particular assignment. And I believe that you are chosen for something specific in your church, in your community, in your generation. You are chosen. So God chooses people for specific assignments and he chooses uh, he chooses a nation, chooses a church, chooses people for a specific assignment, and he chooses people in a certain season 
for a certain purpose. So we are chosen. And he wrote this letter to the chosen of God, chosen aliens, elected aliens, uh, chosen migrants, elected migrants, pilgrims, strangers, scattered throughout all the region, yet chosen, scattered and yet chosen. Hallelujah. So he says that to them. And then he says that to you people, those I'm talking about, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. That's interesting. It says that grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. When you read the King James, King James says that, King James puts it this way, it says that grace and peace be multiplied. The multiplying of grace, Daniel chapter 4, peace be multiplied to, to you. Uh, uh, talking about the king and Darius also wrote and he said peace Daniel chapter 4 I think verse 1 or something like that and another one verse chapter 4 verse 26 so peace be multiplied so in the Jewish times peace shalom is a normal greeting but in the New Testament time it starts with grace it's always as I mentioned in the previous teaching the Siamese twins of Christian greetings okay Grace and peace, grace and peace, grace, the Siamese twins of Christianity, of Christian grace, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. And here he said grace and peace. When you study the Bible very carefully, grace is a very central aspect of our Christian work. It's very important. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, he said, for by grace are ye saved. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation. So salvation is just a function of grace. It's so important to understand the place of grace. Grace is simply God at work. When God is working, we are saved because God chose to work himself into us. And so we, Paul, this is how Paul puts it, Saul the persecutor in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse verse 14, 13 and 14, talks about how, um, but the grace of God, uh, verse 13 said, I, I persecuted the church because I did it ignorantly. I was injurious and I persecuted the church because, and I, but I obtained mercy, verse 13, for I did it ignorantly. Verse 14 says that, and the grace of God was abundant, exceeding abundant towards me. And when you read other translations, it says that was super, super abounding. So that word is very important. Superabounding is abundant in measure. The same word that was used in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where it talks about where the law came in so sin might abound, sin might increase. So the law came that sin might increase. Then it says that, but where sin abounds, grace superabounds, okay, or increases or abounds, exceedingly abounds. So that grace, superabounding grace. Hallelujah. I'm talking to somebody that you have superabounding grace. We are saved by grace. What is interesting about this grace is that before the... Oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. This saving grace was allocated, apportioned to us. When? Before the world began. So before you even... You know, I remember I, I remember I spoke about how we were chosen before. Now he's talking... He also speaks about how superabounding grace, how saving grace was apportioned to us before the world began. He gave us his... He saved us according to his purpose and grace. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. He saved us according to his purpose and grace, which was given to us... Be, oh, let me read it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 says that who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but uh, so he wasn't waiting for you to work before he called you. Hallelujah! 
Hallelujah. He wasn't waiting for you to start doing some good stuff before he called you. He just knew he was going to call you because he set his heart on you. He foreknew you. Hallelujah. Bible says that chosen and elected according to the foreknowledge of God. For those he foreknew, he also predestined. Those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, hallelujah, for glory. Praise God. So he says that he, he with this grace, or he, he called us, God who has saved us according to his purpose, or not, not according to our works, but watch this. Let me read it again. He says that who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace when watch this which was given given us in Christ when before the world began grace was given before the world began grace was apportioned to you if you are born again grace was allocated to you and I if you are born again grace was allocated to us before the world began yes not if before you were born before the world began grace was allocated and so in time it was allocated in eternity past, before time began, and then within time, it was activated. So when you read the next verse, it said, but now, verse 10 of Second Timothy chapter 1, but now it's made manifested by the appearing of our sin. So that grace has now been manifested. And watch this. This is very interesting. Permit me to go on, on, go on about this grace because such grace is amazing. This is called amazing grace. It's called fantastic grace, wonderful grace. Grace so amazing. We have grace was given to us before eternity passed, and in time it manifested. So we are saved by grace. Okay, watch this. Paul, remember, he was a, a wicked man, a persecutor and an injurious, but he obtained mercy, and the grace of God was super abounding towards him. The grace super abounded towards him. Where sin abounds, grace even much more abounds. The, I think in James uses much more, much more, much more. The much more abounding grace. Hallelujah! May you receive that in the name of Jesus. May that be your portion in the name of Jesus. The much more abounding grace. I'll mention, I'll, I'll say something about it again. But what is interesting is that Bible says that get up your loins. First Peter chapter 1 verse 13. Get up your loins. And hope, set your hope on the grace that is to be revealed. Did you see that? That's amazing. It says that, Wherefore, get up the loins of your minds, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus. There is another grace that is yet to be revealed. Candia. There's grace we are enjoying which was allocated to us before time began. Our salvation starts with grace. How about before the, it begins with grace, but how about the continuation? Oh, the continuation, that is where it says that grace abound to you. Grace and peace be multiplied. It's called abounding grace. In other places, it's called manifold grace of God. In First Peter, same First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it talks about the manifold grace of God. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says that as, 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 as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In First Peter chapter 5, verse 10, it also, it, it also talks about all grace. All grace. So several, we have the manifold grace of God in chapter 10. It says, but the God of all grace, the God of all grace. In 2 Corinthians, it says that, and God is able to make 
all grace abound towards you. Second Corinthians chapter 9. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. He said, he said my, the grace, my grace is sufficient to you. So Paul was going through difficult time and he said, God, remove this thing from me. God said, no, I won't remove it, but I will actually give you grace. Because when you have grace, grace is sufficient. The grace is sufficient. It's called all sufficient grace. Hallelujah. It is an abounding grace. It is all grace. It is all sufficient grace. And it is uh, uh, manifold grace of God. It's amazing. So that is how we live our Christian life. And everybody, Paul puts it this way. He says in Romans chapter 12, verse Three. It says that unto me this grace is given. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8. Unto me this grace is given. So you see there's grace that is assigned to you as far you are born again. Grace assigned to you for the work you are supposed to do. So grace, Paul in Ephesians, Romans again chapter 12 verse 3 talks about how grace has been given to me. In fact, um, chapter 3 verse 10 of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3 10, it says that as I have received grace, me as a master builder, he received grace to do what he was doing. See, I have received grace. And so it talks about the grace of Jesus Christ as well. The grace, when you read the Bible, especially the New Testament, it's, it's grace, 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 grace. First, <laughs> John chapter um, 1 verse 17, it talks about the law was given by Moses, but tr- grace and truth came by Jesus. Came by Jesus. Some translations said came with Jesus. When Jesus Christ came, grace came. That grace that was allotted to us before the foundation of the before time began. That grace, Bible said, but it's now verse 10 of 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10. It says that, but it's made manifested by the appearing of Jesus. So Jesus came, grace came. When Jesus comes, grace comes. Anytime that the, anyone who has Jesus in their life has grace. In fact, it puts it this way. When let, let, yeah, let me say this. When the Bible finished, well, the end of the Bible, do you know how the Bible ends? The last couple of statements in the Bible, or verse, few verses, it says that, uh, Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. After all these revelations that have been given, listen, without grace, you can't do it. Without grace, you can't live for God. Without grace, you can't fulfill your assignment. Without grace, you can't stop the lying. Without grace, you can't stop the hatred, a, a demonstration of hatred, and you can't stop the the bad things you're doing. You can't glorify God. You can't do ministry without grace. You can't build the church without grace. Everything in Christianity is or is uh, is, is 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 grace based. Is grace born? Grace sustained? and grace co- uh, completed. It com- it's born in grace, sustained by grace, and completed or culminated or crystallized in grace. Everything in Christianity has to do with grace. So after everything that the Bible has said, after all that was said, the revelations in the scriptures, it says that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It is grace that comes from Jesus Christ in in. In, I think, Romans chapter 16, verse 20, it says that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In 1 Corinthians Corinthians chapter 16, verse 23, it talks about how the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, I know you know that one, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of um, 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 23, it talks about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 6, verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philemon, verse 25, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, chapter 4, verse 22, says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our grace be with you. It's always grace be with you. It's us always to do with grace. In fact, it says that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, how he was rich yet he became poor for our sakes hallelujah yeah second corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 said you know the grace of our lord jesus christ the manifestation of grace is all over you can only do the things of god by grace i pray receive grace may we all receive abundance of grace abundance where sin abounds grace yet more great grace abounds much more may much more grace come upon you so peter says Grace be unto you. I like the the place where he spoke about. He says that the God of all grace, who has called us into his eternal glory, First Peter chapter 5, verse 10, the God of all grace, who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, make you perfect, make you perfect, strengthened, rooted or grounded all right established so make you perfect established strengthened and grounded hallelujah he's the god of all grace and it takes grace for you to be perfected perfected means matured in the lord perfected so make it takes grace for you to be perfected it takes grace for you to be established it takes grace for us to be to be grounded and it takes grace for us to be strengthened grace. May that grace, the strengthening grace, the perfecting grace, the grounding grace, and the establishing grace abound towards you. So he said, grace be unto you from the Father. Grace be multiplied. Then he goes on. Let's get back to First Peter. First Peter chapter 1 verse 2. It says that chosen according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctifying work of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of the blood of Jesus Grace. And now let me just throw in a bit more about the sprinkling of the blood. When he speaks about sprinkling of the blood, as I mentioned in the previous teaching, the sprinkling of the blood is something of the Old Testament. They, when, once God accept, has accepted you for a blessing, they will sprinkle the blood on you. The blood will be sprinkled. And he was predominantly writing to Jewish believers who had an influence over other believers. But he told them that uh, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood. That means that, guys, you have been accepted. You are in. You are in. Yeah, you are in. You have been received in. Accepted in the beloved. Ephesians chapter 1. Accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. You are in. So when he says that to the spring, by the sprinkling of the blood, unto sprinkling of blood, the, the blood of Jesus. What he's trying to say is that you are not just an ordinary person. You have actually, even though God has chosen you, the Holy Spirit has sanctified you. And guess what? You are in. You are accepted in. You are a full-blown citizen of this kingdom of heaven. You are a full-blown beneficiary partaker of the uh, or part of the chosen or peculiar people. You are in by the sprinkling of the blood. Not an ordinary blood in the Old Testament, as I said earlier on. It's the blood of bulls and goats. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 13. It's the blood of bulls and goats. But Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 says that by the blood of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus, eternal, we have received an eternal inheritance. Hallelujah. Remember this word is coming up. Eternal inheritance. Inheritance, and he, he has, uh, he has uh, the inheritance is eternal in nature. Let's move on. So he says that um, 
Grace peace be multiplied to you. Then he starts verse 3. Very important. Blessed be God. Just reminds me of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be God, the God and Father of our, Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3. It seems to be at the verse 3. Ephesians 1 3. Second Corinthians 1 3. Second Corinthians 1 3 talks about blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God of all, all comforts. Well, God, or who has comforted, uh, given us comfort and consolation. He's the God of consolation and comfort. Hallelujah. But I said, blessed be him. Praise be God. But it's, do you see how he starts his letter? By, he didn't wait to say too much. After he just said we have been chosen, he says that he just throws in doxology. Doxology. Praise be God. Hallelujah. So blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. This is getting serious. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Look at that. See, which according to his abundant mercy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, talks about who has begotten us or who has saved us according to his purpose and grace. Here he said he has begotten us who according to his abundant mercy, watch this, has begotten us again unto a lively hope to add by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me read from the um, New American Standard Version again. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, his great mercy, uh, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. Who caused us to be born again? It's not the pastor. It's not, it's not the evangelist. God is the instrumental cause for our redemption. God is the mastermind, the mastermind behind our salvation. Behind you saying, yes, Lord, I give my life to you. I will serve you. I will serve you. I repent. for." Before you said that God is the mastermind behind it. He's the puppet master behind our salvation. <laughs> because he said he has caused us to be born again. How did he do that? According to his abundant mercy. According to his Great mercy. Ephesians chapter 4, you remember chapter 1 verse 4. But God, who is great in mercy, rich in mercy. So according to his great mercy, according to his abundant mercy, remember 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13, Paul said, I did all these things. I persecuted the church. I was a blessed man, but I obtained mercy. God, who is rich in mercy. God, who is great in mercy. Here, he said, God has caused us to be born again. How? According to, according to his great mercy. According to his his abundant mercy. Hallelujah! Thank God for mercy. May you receive mercy. So he said, God, who according to his abundant mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Let me read from different versions. This is the Amplified Version. Amplified Version. Praise and honor, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, by his, by his boundless mercy, we have been born again to an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have been born again unto an ever-living, ever-living, ever-living. All right, let me take born again and I'll come to ever-living. Blessed be God and Father of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again Unto a live a lively hope. Let's start with begotten. Who has begotten us? God. As I said, He is the main cause behind salvation and behind being born again. God Himself. Watch this. I'm about to make, uh, say something. Remember, as I said earlier on, that God has 
elected us. He has chosen us. But I just realized that we are not only chosen. He didn't only choose us. He, he chose us. He elected us. And he did something else to us. He gave birth to us. He, he, he begot us. I like the King James. He has begotten us again. He begot us. It, that's the word born again. And so as we read from John chapter 3 from verse 3 till 8. Bible talks about, Jesus said, except a man is born again. You know, sometimes people will say, oh, are you are you also one of the born again, those, the born again Christians? Are you a Christian or you're one of them? Is there anything like a Christian who is not born again? There's nothing like that in the New Testament. The New Testament knows nothing like a Christian who is not born again. Being a Christian means born again. You are born again. You are born again. So those who say I'm not born again, there's another way of saying I'm not a Christian. <laughs> I'm not a real Christian. I'm not a child of God. So God is the one who gives birth to us, begotten us. We have been begotten of the Father. So Jesus said, except a man is born again, he cannot enter into, into the, see the kingdom of God. Then Nicodemus said, how can a man who is already old be born another time again? I'm old already. How can I be born again? Born again. I know you were born already, but born again. How can you be born again when you were born? <laughs> That's when they they think I'm a Christian because my father is a pastor. Give me a break, please. <laughs> Your father being a pastor doesn't make you a Christian. Your uncle being a priest doesn't make you a Christian. It's not Christianity by it's called that way or that kind of Christianity is called Christianity by inheritance. <laughs> no, there's nothing like that. No one can be born a Christian. It cannot happen. No one can be born a Christian. So um when he, when he says that born again, that means that first of all, you have already been born and you have to be born again. You, bo you are born twice, so you die once or you are born once and you die twice. So those who don't get born again in life, when they die, they will face the second death which is the lake of fire, according to Revelations chapter 20 from verse 12 somewhere. Second death, which cut them into the lake of fire, which is the second death. So if you don't get born again, you will end up dying again. So you either get born again or you die again. You get born again and die, not die again, or don't get born again and you die again. It's, the choice is yours. Those who say, my will be done in life, when they die, God will say, your will be done. When you are alive, you never said, God, let your will be done in my life. All right, when you die, God will tell you, your will be done. Hallelujah. So it's important to, uh, it's important to understand that when we are, we are begotten of God. Now, regeneration, some, some translations use, who has regenerated us. Regenerated us is the same word. But I, uh, the, the, when Jesus said, you must be born again, let me finish that Nicodemus said how can one be born again when he's already old Jesus said you are a teacher and in fact he said can, we shall he, can he enter into his mother's womb again and be born Jesus said you are a teacher of Israel do you understand this he's not talking about he said whatever is born of the flesh whatever is born of the flesh is flesh and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit so he says that the way the wind blows, and you can't tell, you can see the effect, but you can't tell where it's coming from. In the same, the same verse 8, that is how the one who is born of God or of the Spirit. So he's not talking about physical birth. In John chapter 1, verse 12, he says that, um, but as many as believed in him, received him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. Even as many as received, uh, that, I believed in him, gave them the power, even as many as received him. Verse 13 says that, born not 
of the uh, born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the of the will of man. Not born of blood, not born of the will of the flesh that they chose. Okay, let's. No one can choose to give you to get you born again. No one can. Okay, you. I'm going to make you born again. It is not in the power of man, even not in the power of me who got born again myself. You who got born again, it's not in your power to say, okay, I'm going to get born again next month. It's not in your power. It's because it said, not of the way born, John chapter 1, verse 13, born not of blood. So it's not natural, from natural blood. Born, so you can't say, my uncle is a, a priest, so I'm born again. Born not of blood. Born not of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man. The will of the flesh is maybe some people desired, they wanted to do something so much and their flesh led them and it happened. Okay, where uh, will of man is some people planned it, they chose it. No one plan can plan your spiritual birth. No one can plan your spiritual birth and can cause, neither can anyone cause your spiritual birth. It says that, but of the will of God. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's there. Not of the will of the flesh, of the blood, not, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but it's of the will of God. That's how we get born again. It's of the will of God. It's an, it, it, God is the, is the cause. No one takes part in their being born again or being birth, or their natural birth. Did you get involved in your natural birth? No human being ever gets involved in their conception and their being born. In the same way, your spiritual birth, you don't get involved. It is a, it's purely an act of God. And that's why in the previous teaching, I said it is supernatural. Being born again is one of the greatest miracles on earth. It's the super, it's supernatural activity of God. In James chapter 1, verse 18, it talks about how he has begotten us by the word of truth, which was preached to us. God gave birth to us. He begot us. He born, let me use the word, he born us. He birthed us, okay? God birthed us. We are born. And it's purely an act of grace. The grace that brings salvation. The grace that brings salvation. Having said that, let me say this. Salvation is a whole big thing. Salvation, grace starts our salvation. Salvation is a spectrum, okay? And the initial aspect of salvation is justification, redemption, and regeneration or being born again. Regeneration is the same as being born again. Something be, has been regenerated in you. So that means new life has been birthed in you. A new life has been generated in you. Okay, that's what regeneration means. So every time somebody is birthed, life is introduced. So you were born naturally and you got the human life. Now, when you are born supernaturally, guess what you get? You get the divine life. Hallelujah. So those of us who are born again, we have the divine life. That is why we won't die again. Jesus said, if you believe in me, five, John 5, 28, 29, 30, he said that for a time is coming that they will hear the voice of the Son of Man and they shall rise unto life. And he says, he says that for anyone who hears my voice, even though, even though you, if you, or then in John chapter six, even though he was dead, he who believes in my words, even though he was dead, he shall live. John chapter eight. Eight, rather, John chapter 8 from verse 48, 49, 48, 49. That's when they said, you are not yet even 50. And you are saying you have seen Abraham. Or they said, rather, you are, Abraham died and the prophets died, our fathers died. Who are you to tell us that anyone who believes, believes in your word shall not die? That's when he, he, uh, he, he said that uh, whoever receives my word will never die. 
will never die. You know, so when you receive the word of God, you have John chapter 5, verse 24, you've crossed over from death to life. Now, you, that means you are born again, and it's the word of God. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says that being born again, we are not born again by corruptible seed, but by the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. So it takes the word of God to get us born again. It takes the word of God to introduce the life of God into us. As the word of God is preached through the gospel, Bible calls it the gospel of your salvation. I think Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 or so, 12 and 13. The gospel of your salvation. The gospel of your salvation. So it's a gospel of salvation. When the gospel came, salvation came with the gospel. And so as I said, the three aspects of it, or some aspects of it, our initial salvation is redemption. Redemption and justification solves the problem of our sin our sins and our estranged relationship with God. So we have to be redeemed. That's cleansed by the blood of Jesus and justified so we can stand before God as faultless and sinless. So justification gives us the the opportunity to to be declared righteous. We have not necessarily become righteous, but we have been declared righteous in the sight of God. Why? Based on the blood of Christ. So theologians call it righteousness extra nos. Righteousness extra knows. Righteousness outside of yourself or alien righteousness. You come before God with an alien righteousness. Righteousness that doesn't belong to you, but belongs to Christ Jesus. So Jesus gives you his righteousness. And so justification grant gives us righteous standing before God. All right. So justification and uh, redemption deals with our the problem between us and God. And guess what? And regeneration also now introduces the life of God into us. So once you are redeemed, once we are ju- you are justified, there's no problem between you and God. The sin issue is gone. But that's not all. The life of God now has to come into you. So we are born anew. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We are born again. We are born anew. We are born afresh. We are regenerated. A new life has germinated in us, the old life has been terminated for a new life to be germinated in us. A new life of God has been germinated. I'm talking about who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. So he says that, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has begotten us again. He has given back to us. He has has caused us the New American Standard Version says that he has caused us to be born again, born anew, born afresh, born again. Hallelujah, I'm born again. Hallelujah, I'm born again. I am born again. By the grace of God, I'm born again. The grace of God, I'm born again. Hallelujah, I'm born again. I am thankful to God. Thanks be to God for giving back to me again, for begetting me again again for birthing me again into a oh my god into a living hope the amplifier says that into an ever living hope so you are born again resulting in that's very important born again who has given birth to us resulting in living hope King James says, lively hope, living hope. Now, very interesting. On the, when he was alive, his disciples were following him, believing that he was the Messiah, which he was, but they didn't understand the, the job of the Messiah at that time. They thought that the job of the Messiah, which was going to restore the kingdom to Israel, thought it was going to be at that time. But he didn't come to restore the kingdom to Israel at that time, physical kingdom. He came 
to redeem the people of God. He came so that he would pay for our sins and then bring life into us and make us a peculiar people unto himself. Then he will come again and then he will, he will, in the restoration, we shall reign with him. But guess what? They thought and Jesus was crucified. And so, watch this, it shattered their hopes. They knew Jesus was that powerful and you can't kill him. But he died and it shattered their hopes. So in Luke chapter 24, from, from verse 18, they rose to Emmaus. The two disciples, some disciples were going and Jesus shows up walking with them and they were talking and Jesus said, what are you guys talking about? And they said, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? Don't you know what has happened? They said, what? He said, what is it? He said, oh, how Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, who was, God was anointed, had anointed him. He was doing amazing things and the high priests, they connived and through lawless hands killed him. But they said something very interesting, I think, in the verse 21. They said that him, him with, we hoped was going to bring a restoration to Israel uh, in the NIV version. Can you, they use the word, we hoped, we hoped was going to be the one to restore the kingdom to Israel. They hoped, but their hopes were dashed when Jesus died. Then he resurrected again. So when he resurrected, that resurrection introduced new hope into his disciples. That's why Peter knew that, wow, this, this business is a done deal. I'm going to preach the gospel. Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. It's not just in that your conviction is not enough. You need the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, wait until you are endued with power from above. Well, so they went and started preaching. But it was the resurrection that gave them living a new, a new hope. A hope for what? For the future. Now watch this. Christianity, as I said the other time, the tripod of Christ or the trinity of Christian virtue, faith, hope, and love. First Corinthians 13, 13. Faith, hope, and love is important. It's all littered all throughout scripture. Every time, like Colossians chapter 1, it talks about your faith, your love, and then verse, verse 4. Your faith, Colossians 1, 4. Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your love for the saints, then verse 5, your hope. Your faith, love, and hope. Faith, love. First Thessalonians, faith, love, and hope. Second Thessalonians, faith is everywhere. So it's very important. He in immediately drops, and you see in First Peter, is there faith, love, and hope. You see faith coming. You see love coming. It's all the First Peter chapter 1. Just in the first chapter, drops in the faith, love, and hope. Now, he says hope. God has begotten us again unto a living hope. Before I come to the living, may I, may I suggest to you that when we talk about hope, what, what do we mean by hope? Hope is the, um, an expectation, okay? The pleasurable expectation. Our hope is a pleasurable expectation of what is, has been promised and, and what is coming. That is our hope. It's a, it's a pleasurable expectation of things ahead praise God but may I even may I say this more that when we talk about the hope is the confident and pleasurable expectation of future blessings based on facts and promises confident and pleasurable expectations of future blessings based on facts and promises Confident and pleasurable expectations of future blessings based on facts 
and promises. That is the Christian hope. And then the, 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 and the actual biblical hope, Bible hope, is something that is certain, but not yet fully experienced or fully uh, uh, seen. It is certain, the biblical hope is certain, but it's not fully experienced. And so the Bible constantly encourages us to hope, 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 hope. In fact, that, that's what is that hope in the grace that is to be revealed. Verse 13 of chapter 1 of um, First Peter. It says that, get, therefore get up the loins of your minds and hope for the grace that is yet to be revealed. So we hope. Christian life is hope. In Romans chapter 8, verse 24, it said, hope that is seen is no hope. So what you have seen is no hope. And the Christian hope is so important. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, it says that you might know the hope of your call, of his calling. That you might know. He's praying that we might know the hope. You can't be a Christian without hope. So these people were suffering. They were going through persecution. You see, when you lose sight of the heavenly Hope, the heavenly vision, the beatific vision, the wonderful, glorious hope ahead. You will lose strength to fight to the end. For us to be able to live a sacrificial Christian life and an effective Christian life, we have, we definitely have to set our hope on the grace that is to be revealed. Hallelujah. Set your hope. Set your hope. That's why I said in verse 13, set your hope on the grace that is yet to be revealed at the coming of, the, uh, uh, that will be given at the revelation of Christ. There is grace coming. Set your hope on that grace. Set your hope on that grace. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He spoke about our hope. He spoke about um, the, the the verse 21 first peter chapter 1 verse 21 let me just go back to first peter chapter 1 verse 21 says that who through him through him are believe i'm reading uh, are believers in god okay uh, um american standard version through him are believers in god who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in god our faith and hope is are in god hallelujah let me read from there King James Version. Our faith and hope are in God. And in chapter 3, verse 15, it talks about be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks for the hope, asks question about the hope that is in you. When you are a Christian, people must notice that you are very hopeful about what Jesus is doing and what is coming and what is even about to do for you on earth and there. Our hope is not, Paul said, if only in on this earth we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. First Corinthians chapter 15, I think verse 17 and 19. If only in this world we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. The, the blessed hope, the Bible says that, the Bible calls it the glorious, uh, the blessed hope. Uh, 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 the, uh, the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The blessed hope, the blessed hope, the blessed hope, the blessed hope. He says that I pray that God will grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you will know the hope of His calling. You will know. I'm praying that may you have revelation to know the hope of His calling. There is hope ahead, my brother. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians Colossians chapter 1 verse 23, it talks about our hope, how we, we should set our hope in the Lord. Colossians chapter 1 verse 23, Colossians chapter 1:23. it says that if you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. 
when the gospel is preached to you, uh, there's always hope that is introduced to you. Every time the true gospel is preached, hope is introduced to somebody. And we don't have to move away from the hope of the gospel, the hope of the gospel. And, and, and I like the way 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16 puts it. It says that good hope, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16, it talks about now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through, through grace. He has given us good hope. This hope is good. It's good. It's good. The hope of the Christian work. The hope of the believer. Good. Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4. It says we have one hope. One hope. Hallelujah. So we are not hopeless people. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 5, it talks about the hope laid up for us. The hope that is laid up for us. Colossians chapter. I just read Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, verse 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Wow, there is hope ahead of you. Sister, don't give up. Don't be tired. Brother, don't be tired. Hope thou in the Lord. The psalmist said, why are thou cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in the Lord. There is hope ahead. And because of my time, I want to end now. And I'll pick, I'll pick up in the next session the living hope. Hope that is living Hope that is not just ordinary hope. It's not just hope that is reserved in heaven for us. It's not just a hope that is laid up for us. It's not just good hope. It is living hope. Hallelujah. Living hope. It's not just hope that is set on the grace that is to be revealed. It is a living hope. We have a living hope. And guess what? Bible says God has begotten us into hope. You can't be a Christian and hopeless. You can't be a Christian and you have lost hope in life. It cannot be. Because when you are born again, the spirit that gives you birth, that born again life comes with hope. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at carries.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.